everyone and welcome to my first full episode of my new podcast, Proximity. If you didn't know already, this podcast is a platform where I'll be talking to other young artists on their experiences in the arts, the struggles they've faced and the amazing and exciting things that give us the drive to do what we do. I just want to give a big thank you to Theo Moore for his amazing graphics and designs for this podcast and also my lovely friend that goes by the name Pastel for his great music that you can hear in the background. I've been so excited to start this podcast, something that I've been wanting to do for such a long time, so please share it around as it would be great to build a community around proximity. So before we get on to our first topic of the series, I thought I'd tell you a little about me. My name is Anna Holm and I am a third year acting student at the University of Chichester. I am originally from the Tunbridge Wells area in Kent and have been involved in the performing arts since I was a little girl. I know everyone says that, but it is actually true. I always knew that this was an industry that I wanted to be a part of, but when I gained a drama scholarship to my new school when I was 13, it made me realise that I could pursue this dream and the University of Chichester has been the most amazing place to allow me to be creative, collaborative and understand the type of performer that I am and I want to be. Later in this series I will be discussing why I chose Chichester, what I hope to do with my degree and other past events that have shaped the way that I am but firstly I want to talk about something that is extremely important, mental health. As we know, so many young people suffer from mental health issues and thankfully I've been in an environment where I've been able to reach out when I'm struggling, whether that be from my amazing family, friends or my supportive department at uni. But unfortunately, that's not been the case for many young people. That's why I want proximity to be an open space. And if one listener hears this, relates, finds comfort or even starts a conversation with someone about mental health, we are going in the right direction. So today I have my lovely housemate and fellow course mate Emily Wright to join me in discussing our experiences with anxiety. Hi Emily. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> this is weird. This is my first ever podcast interview. Well that would make sense as it's my first episode but you know. How are you? I'm okay thank you. I think we're both quite yeah. tired. <laughs> we just woke up. <laughs> <laughs> so we sound a bit croaky but it's fine we'll get there. So Emily, tell me a bit about yourself. Where are you from? It's not very exciting. I'm um, really? it is. It is. Be proud. I'm from Eastbourne, which South of England. Uh, I've been acting since I was nine, but I've done more majority screen and like film based stuff rather than theatre. So obviously we're on the same course, which is very theatre based. Yeah, it's been very different. I think we both have very different experiences coming to university. Yeah, in terms of what we've experienced on the course and what we've learned from it. Yeah, that's one thing as well that I like about our course, is that every everyone's so different, mm-hmm. and you can see their strengths as yeah. well. When like they've done a very good job of not hiring the same two people. Yeah, hiring that makes it sound. You know what I mean? Like yeah, no, I get you. They say that when you go for a like a university or a drama school kind of place, they're looking for a cast and not for a class. Yeah, that's why I said hiring. I see it as like <laughs> they've made together this yeah. cast of people. Yeah, no, I get that. Um, it's it's scary actually when you think of it like that. But yeah, you're you're right. You've kind of already said, but how long have you wanted to be a performer? Like, so what um, what sort of things did you do as a kid? 
So I have a really, really bad habit. And actually, this does tie into my mental health. So we can, <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a really bad habit when it comes to hobbies and jobs of not being able to stay in the same place for very long. Mm-hmm. Um, I get quite restless doing the same hobbies. And so the only thing that I've never really got tired of is acting because I feel like when you're acting you can be a different person or a different thing yeah even if you're on a sitcom for like 10 years you'll still have a different thing to do every single day on exactly set. yeah um so like when I was younger I went through like countless different sports and things which makes it look like I've done a lot when realistically I've just like had a taster <laughs> of different things um <laughs> and then it got I got to about maybe 13 and I realized the only thing that I genuinely didn't get like bored of was acting and then I was like oh well I guess maybe then I should try and pursue that instead. And I, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Um. I was kind of just annoyed because I was like, I wish that there was something else. I know. <laughs> it's I know really you, depressing. I want to be one realize. of those sports girls. Yeah. <laughs> it's really depressing when you realise one of the things that you really want to pursue most in life is really, really unattainable. <laughs> 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 I wish I wanted to become a doctor. <laughs> or like something that was a bit more... <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> But... This fulfills us. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I completely get that. So going to the topic of mental health, may I ask you about your experiences yeah. with anxiety? Um, so I I was actually misdiagnosed in 2016 with anxiety. I've realised now I don't have anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. That's purely, I think, from social media and yeah. mental health being a more widely spoken about thing. But I actually have OCD, mm-hmm. which is a condition where depression and anxiety very closely come out of it so like yeah. ocd causes anxiety and ocd causes depression so i do have anxiety and i have experienced a lot of anxiety in the past but i, d- I wouldn't say i have the same anxiety as you did or yeah. like you know other people um because the stuff i worry about is ridiculously irrational yeah i'm probably never actually going uh, like i would never have anxiety like to say whether i was gonna I don't know. Yeah. Pet a tiger. Like, that yeah. wouldn't bother me. That, you know, if that makes any sense. I have to say, though, there's also perks to Emily being my housemate. <laughs> because... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll know that the windows are always locked. The doors are always locked. Appliances are turned off before we go to bed. So there are perks. There are perks. But I understand that that yeah. can also be quite draining for you. Yeah, like, so my OCD is very much centred around the fact that people I care about getting hurt or myself being the responsible one for them getting hurt. I don't know where it's come from. I realised it was OCD maybe, like, last year, but I've had it since I was about 15, 16. And so, for example, if I weren't to check all the locks and things before I go to bed and if then someone broke in, for example, yeah. and then hurt someone that I live with, I would then feel incredibly responsible that it was my fault for some reason. Yeah. That's what my brain does. <laughs> yeah. Um, same if I were to cook cooked a meal and then someone got food poisoning from said meal, I'd literally feel like awful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's very, very draining because they're more rational examples of the things that go on in my head but like obviously this can get ridiculous to the point where like you get like compulsions or like ticks and Mm -hmm. things so like you get an irrational thought and then you have to perform a compulsion or a tick to relieve the thought so like i get the worry that someone might break in therefore i go check all the locks so the locks is like the the compulsion um but when i was really bad i was getting between probably like 100 to 250 of these Probably more than that. I never counted. But it felt like that a day. So it felt like every yeah. five minutes or so I would get a worry to the point where they would cause panic attacks and anxiety. And it stopped yeah. me from doing stuff because I was so afraid that something was going to happen to someone. It is very draining because 
like for example in first year at university like I, I was going through other things at the time that yeah were stressful but um one of the reasons why I would then struggle to come out in the evenings was because for me a whole day is so yeah mentally draining in the evening sometimes I, I just like to go to bed <laughs> yeah no that's understandable <laughs> like I don't know because um, your brain's going yes 10 times an hour I would really like to see exhausting. how fast my brain is moving compared to everybody else so if i went for like a is it an yeah. mri yeah, they scan yeah. your brains yeah and they see like what's lighting up and stuff yeah that would be so cool <laughs> yeah I do would, mine compared to I yours i would really like to see whether mine it is all in my head or whether mine is just like really hyperactive yeah i know like i've had things in the past like an example of something stupid that i don't get now but i did get yeah it's like there was a specific song that i couldn't hear mm-hmm. because i was really worried if i heard that song then someone i cared about was going to die which is so ridiculous and I find it really no, funny now to think about it because no, whenever this song used to come I used to put my fingers in my ears <laughs> it's it's also very common yeah like it's not spoken about enough yeah because I remember watching a documentary mm-hmm. on people with OCD and I remember watching it being like wow like I can't believe people are thinking these thoughts but then actually it was almost like the documentary was trying to highlight how different it is when actually it's so many yeah. people have it yeah that's why like well, I mean like I said we have to perform a solo at the end of our uni- time mm-hmm. at university and I'm thinking of doing mine on it because it's not a very widely spoken about mental health issue and I yeah. think to, to be fair to an extent everybody has a little bit of it yes but when it becomes a disorder is when you've got it like continuously yeah. and it becomes a, like a negative impact on your life I think a lot more people do suffer from it that that didn't make any sense a lot more people suffer <laughs> from it than um they talk about yeah because oh my god i i never used to say that i had it well yeah. to be fair i didn't really realize i had it until later but yeah the stuff that goes through your heads people would think you're absolutely insane because yeah. there's no point worrying about those th- sort of things but to you yeah you, they seem like life or death it's yeah. ridiculous <laughs> and it's like there's like the phrase like oh it's my ocd playing up when people like want to get pens all in order or something yeah. and it's like when that's like generalized yeah yeah because when actually that could yeah yeah like no you're you're right because it's like in sitcoms and things like monica from friends is a very um stereotyped version because like i said earlier about intrusive thoughts and then compulsions to kind of almost like soothe the intrusive thoughts a compulsion is very often being tidy and being clean and organizing so someone who has really bad intrusive thoughts could then organize and it would then make them feel better yeah um but then when people like don't have like their pens in line they're like oh i've just my ocd and i'm like yeah hmm (laughs) yeah because i know what they mean but it's also like if you don't have ocd is like if those pens weren't in order then like something's gonna blow up that's what ocd is i'm from what i have learned since becoming more aware of it um mine's never been pens though (laughs) i don't know why i don't know i'm just a stationary nerd (laughs) yeah no i know what you mean and you very often see it with people like from friends or like other stereotypes of but it's 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 interesting because i'm guessing you're saying that when you're struggling more you need to do the things that help you yeah as in clean and yes things like this whereas for me i do the opposite when i'm when i am really struggling my room's a mess. Yeah. I know that sounds silly, but I've said this to Em no, before last sense. year. You know how I'm doing that day if my room's a mess. Because <laughs> your mental health reflects, like, the togetherness of your mind. So, like, if yeah. your mind's jumbled, then your room's going to reflect exactly. how your mind is. I think I've always... I don't know when I got anxiety because it was all very weird. Because, obviously, I'll speak about it 
later in the series, but mm. obviously my dad passed away when I was 11. That could have triggered so much stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, God knows what my head was but going through when I was 11. Even though it might have not necessarily come out at 11, things mm. can lay dormant in your head or in your, like, for years. And then exactly. something that was triggered by that could then pop out, like, five yeah. years later. And you'd be like, where's this come from? Exactly. But it is linked to, yeah. And that's why when I was in year 10... I was starting to get, like, solos in the choir. It sounds so silly. But things that I should be so excited about as a girl that wanted to do, at the time, musical theatre and um, get up on stage all the time, I suddenly started hiding away from that and getting really self-conscious. And I just couldn't... Like, the thought of going up on stage Mm -hmm. made me feel sick. And it was like my confidence was fully going. And that's actually when I started to have proper Mm counselling. And I didn't have that when Dad passed away. Um, and how late, how long was this? So this was year 10. So it would have been 2014, 2015 when dad passed away in 2011. Mm. I don't, I don't, I don't feel that my anxiety, I only remember my anxiety coming when I got ill. Mm -hmm. So when I got gallstones Mm -hmm. And I was constantly being told it was anxiety for GCSEs. <laughs> oh my gosh, I had two years of doctors telling oh me that it was just anxiety. And I was like, I'm not throwing up every day because I have anxiety, which obviously is a symptom. Yeah. But the fact is they were telling me I had really serious anxiety, but then nothing was being done about yeah. it. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's something we should definitely talk about. But also, <laughs> like, you know your body at the end of the day, there's something wrong. Yeah. It's awful how much you have to push to get it seen, but yeah it's true like and I was very lucky to be able to have private medical care through mum's work at the time Mm. so I ended up going to a private doctor and the first assessment I was told what it was yeah and it was these massive big black dots that were on the screen um and obviously it was sorted but then I know that also in my GCSEs my first biology GCSE I had a panic attack Mm -hmm. and I think that's probably one of the first panic attacks I can ever remember also if you've had doctors telling you that your anxiety (laughs) is because of GCSEs for like two years (laughs) if you then get to GCSEs you think oh this is probably something I should have anxiety about yeah like yeah and then being told that oh okay you really need an operation but you're doing your GCSEs so we'll wait until after your GCSEs so in those GCSE exams I was like oh my gosh I could I could have like a spasm with the because it causes a spasm of your organ i'm not a doctor i know but all i know is that it causes a spasm so i was there like oh god what if i have a spasm in this exam and it was just constant scared thoughts but then ah yeah it's just it i also think obviously like this sounds so cliche but like hormones puberty and growing up Mm -hmm. they have a massive effect on who you your brain and yeah telling you even though they they can be solely the cause hormones mixed with other things they can it's just like a recipe to just yeah. send you into a spiral if you're struggling with things yeah um because your brain doesn't know what it's doing itself no just trying to figure exactly. out who you are and <laughs> yeah you know, like and i think i'm finally at a point now where i understand my mental health more mm-hmm. i don't know whether it's because stuff's happened to me in the last two years or so um that has changed a lot in my head (laughs) but then it was was it september october time last year when i actually went to a doctor Mm -hmm. and i got 
diagnosed with anxiety, depression and PTSD, mm. which is a great combination. <laughs> so since then, I have been on antidepressants, which is also a very controversial topic. Yes, because I've it, been on them too. And yeah, I have a very different experience. Exactly. To what you were. Yeah. And it's it's I know a lot of people disagree with antidepressants and a lot of people don't. But I personally, I think it has helped me. Mm-hmm. I know that, think of me now, compared to a year ago, it was very different. But I obviously can't say if that's to the tablets or not, because... But you can't say that it's not either. Exactly. And I was technically meant to come off them February, March time. Mm -hmm. But this thing called a pandemic happened. (laughs) So doctors didn't really want to take me off it at that time, which I think is understandable. Yeah. And... Yeah, and definitely... I think I probably would have struggled even more with going into lockdown if mm. I wasn't on my antidepressants because that's when my hormones would have been all over the place and it could have been a lot worse. I'm just grateful for my family yeah. <laughs> and my yeah. friends. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, so many people don't have a supportive family. Yeah, yeah. I like, I'm our mums are just amazing. Say, <laughs> I'm so thankful for my mum. Like, the stuff she had to put up with when I was, like, 16, <laughs> trying to work out what the fuck was going on. Because I say, I mentioned earlier, I was misdiagnosed. I wasn't, because I do have anxiety, but it yeah. wasn't, they they didn't pick up that on the... That wasn't the core part of it. Yeah, they didn't pick up on the compulsive tendencies. Um, but, yeah, my mum was just, like, she took everything on her shoulder and she was like, I could tell her the craziest... Because this is the thing as well for me. For some reason, if I told someone the thought that was going through my head and then that someone was like, don't worry, you don't need to panic, I certainly didn't need to panic anymore. But I couldn't rationalise that for myself. I had yeah. to tell someone. So to then feel that relief. So I guess yeah. in that way, that was a compulsion, having to tell people what yeah. was going on in my head. But my mum, just the things she must have heard. <laughs> like, how she didn't go crazy with all these things yeah. that I had to somehow rationalise through her. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. She is Apparently. an amazing woman. Yeah. <laughs> no, she's great. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, my, my mum's very logical. Yeah. In that sense. Same with, same with my brother. Same with... Even my stepdad is just the most chill and calming person. Yeah. Like, you'll be stressing out and he'll just be like, it's okay. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. I'm okay, it is. <laughs> yeah. I think we're very lucky to have the family that we do. Mm-hmm. 100%. I was going to say, even my dad, who I, I don't live with, he, he was willing to come talk to me about everything as well. Like, yeah. I was just, yeah, yeah, it was really nice. A question that I have mm-hmm. for you is, what is your relationship like with your mental health <laughs> and performing? Oh, I just <laughs> my mum was like, well, it's not great, but we can <laughs> talk about that. <laughs> Unhealthy coping mechanisms. <laughs> You'd be reading the same book and TV show, watching it over a million times. That's the thing as well. Have you seen that? Like a lot of people who suffer from mental health, specifically anxiety, they'll rewatch the same films over and over again because it's a sense of comfort to them. So if you ever wonder why I've got a weird obsession with Marvel, it's because they're the the only things that will ever calm me down if I'm ever feeling stressed. It's really, really weird. I think it's because they're linked to my childhood. Oh, anyway. No. Yeah. Um, no, I think that to... I think that I'm the same with Angus Songs and Perfect yes. Snogging. Yeah. No, um... Sorry, yes. <laughs> yeah. Relationship from mental... Theatre. Oh. Relationship of mental health with theatre. Yeah. So, I personally... You say about how you got anxiety to perform. Mm. I have the opposite, which is yeah. quite interesting, I think. So, I... You know, one of the only times I rarely ever get any intrusive thoughts 
I do get them when I'm performing, but I get them very mm. rarely. Yeah. Um, is when I'm performing, hence why another reason why I think I stu- stuck out acting as much, like I tried to yeah. stuck out as much as possible, is because I feel a massive sense of relief when I'm performing. I don't get the thoughts, unless yeah. I'm very comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, in which case, sometimes yeah, I do. Like, I get the odd compulsion sometimes when I'm performing to screen randomly in the middle of a scene because I know that it will sabotage it for said scene partner and I feel that bad or <laughs> it will sabotage it for me and even though the majority of my OCD is surrounded by people that I care about because they mean the most to me yeah my career also means a lot to me yeah um of so therefore if I were to sabotage that I, I don't know it, yeah. yeah that's the only thing I've ever got when performing but apart from that performing is a massive relief to me yeah I don't know why I think it's because I'm not myself um and I get to be another character yeah and when I'm another character I'm thinking about how they would think exactly um and yeah. th- therefore I'm not thinking about how I would think and yeah for me yeah the the rehearsal period's stressful yes. <laughs> especially when you're getting something on its feet um but once you're in it and once you're actually the scene is flowing and you're playing this character oh that feeling <laughs> and like when you're on stage and you're performing it's just fun yeah (laughs) and it's just a release and it's it's kind of you know that moment that you don't need to not that you don't need to rehearse anymore it's not that it's the fact that when you've you've had so many rehearsals under your belt and you've got this character solid that you could just improv the whole play Mm -hmm. because you know that character so well that's what I look for that's that's what excites me the most to just feel that comfortable (laughs) i definitely wouldn't be able to improv a whole shakespeare play (laughs) but playing titania (laughs) she's one of like my favorite characters just because i feel like i'm and you're very good at playing her too (laughs) (laughs) thanks i have seen it (laughs) but yeah it's just i just love that feeling and i think that's when anything any worries go out my head Mm -hmm. okay maybe not any worries constantly thinking of tech's gonna go well (laughs) but i think that's in any show like i remember doing like bigger scale musicals and things and just being like oh god is there my con is there my con which is annoying because i don't want to be thinking about that but it's a it's a natural instinct i think but yeah so i think i've gone through a journey with the relationship with performing but i've kind of come to a balance now i think i was still so young i didn't perform as much as I do now no it is it is interesting how like people have different because I could probably this is going to sound awful and so (laughs) generalized but I say the majority of theatre people have something some form of mental health yeah I think it's very common in other professions too but I don't know why I see it so much more in this industry than I do I think about this a lot and I think it's because I may be completely wrong but I feel that theatre communities are very open spaces. Mm-hmm. We're very supportive and emotive. We have to be emotive to be able to perform some of these characters. Yeah. And as a result, people are more open about their feelings. Yeah, true. I think a lot of people hide it. A lot of mm-hmm. people do. But I think, especially in Chichester, Chichester, <laughs> <laughs> in Chichester, our lecturers... They want us to talk yeah. about it and they really support us for that. Yeah. I think that's possibly why. Because people feel safer in a theatre community. Yeah. Saying that, I don't think I've spoken to one lecturer at our university about yeah. 
But I, I'm very much <clears throat> someone that I don't like sharing when yeah. I get when I'm when I'm feeling better, I'll happily talk about things, but when I'm actually going through a rougher patch, yeah. I don't like talking about it with people for but some would reason. Would you feel like that's not a good thing, I don't think. But do you feel like <laughs> if you did feel like you could talk to someone that our lecturers would be there. Yeah, like, I, again, I think we have a very different... You're very, like, in the department. I feel yeah. like I'm just quite an antisocial person. Um, <laughs> I don't talk to as many people as Anna does. <laughs> um, so I don't know the lecturers as well as you would. But the couple that I do really like and do really talk to, obviously we won't say names, I do feel, like, comfortable that I would go talk to them. Yeah. Especially, like, yeah. I keep wanting to say her name. I know. Yeah, no. <laughs> We're going to try and be neutral. But lecturers, yeah. you know who you are. <laughs> I have one last question for cool. you. Um, And maybe think back to 2014. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say 2014. Or maybe the start of 2015. Yes. What would you say to your younger self? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you cannot put that on a podcast, but I'll say it. <laughs> Uh, what was happening early 2015? I just moved schools late 2014. Brand new school. I was, like, early 2015, I remember being brilliant for me, actually. Yeah. I was doing really well. And then twenty six end of 2016 hit, and that's when things got worse yeah. mentally. Um, start 2015, I would say... I don't know. I was going to sound really cliche, but I don't think I've done anything that I wouldn't want to change because I've yeah. turned out the way I am. That sounds... No. That sounds so... But... No, okay, it's cringe as fuck. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's understandable. Even if I were to go back and tell myself, yeah, when I, that thing, like when I started getting really bad OCD in 2016, you have to deal with that. I still don't think telling myself how to have dealt with it would have, I wouldn't, knowing me at 15, I wouldn't have listened. Um, so <laughs> you see like your older self would be yeah, like, no, I don't want to listen It would have been you. a lost cause. So I think going through it the hard way and talking to my, being with my mum and things, that was probably the best thing for yeah. me to do. Um, what about Definitely. you? I think if I, I probably would look back to 2014, 2015, that year 10 stage when I mm. had the counselling. I think, I think I'd probably tell myself the cringe statement if it's okay not to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just because I have always been this quite together person in the sense of, like, people joke, Anna's got her shit sorted. <laughs> and it <laughs> it makes me laugh. But, like, um, I think when I was younger, I still felt like I'm this together person. Where actually, <laughs> I'm this together person, even though her dad died a couple of years ago. <laughs> like, I think I needed to understand that if I wasn't feeling great that's okay okay. 100% because I think I'd blame myself for it especially you're someone who's very like you you have a plan well I know obviously you do not but like you um you like making plans that's what I mean Mm -hmm. and then like you like following schedules and you've always yeah. you're very busy and like sociable and you've always got things to do and yeah. like when you build up that image of being that person yeah then when you're not feeling right which is you know perfectly understandable yeah. because nobody's 100% all the time yeah people then are like oh like well Anna's never yeah. like this whereas like if I was to have a rough day or things or I just kind of disappeared off the mat for a couple of days no one would probably think about it that much because <laughs> I you know what I mean like yeah I know what you mean yeah it it's really hard I think yeah when people say that you've got your shit together and you're like well I don't just because <laughs> normally like I am someone who likes to make a plan and like yeah. it's very proactive I'm not like that all the time I love a colour coordinated yeah. plan <laughs> <laughs> even my meal plans are like that yeah. <laughs> so weird 
But, um, yeah. But that's really bad that it's like that. Yeah. Because the thing is, is that, like, and vice versa, if I were then to ever be, like, really sociable and go out, I feel really uncomfortable because I'm like, well, I'm not like this normally. <laughs> like, I'd yeah. be worrying about what people would think, which yeah. is bad, which you shouldn't do. Um, no, but, but yeah. I, I completely get that. It's a natural thing yeah. because of the way society's been. Yeah. I have um, a question for you as well. If, oh. If, I just thought about it earlier. Oh, the tables have turned. And when you say about counselling things, did you say you went through your mum? Did you have a, have an experience with CAMS? No, I don't know what CAMS, CAMS is. CAMS is um, the mental health organisation for people under 18 oh. in the UK. For But it's through like the NHS and like it's like when people can't afford or don't have someone to go yeah. through for private. Um, but yeah, I was, I was with CAMS twice and... I know lots of people have had very different experiences with, with them because they are so hard to get therapy through. Yeah. And, um, like, I, the second time I was there, I was very lucky. I got to see a psychiatrist, a psychiatrist, therapist for, mm-hmm. it might have been, like, seven sessions yeah. each week, one one a week, I mean. And then um, he he was amazing, and I got quite attached to him. And then he had to leave and go back to his own, like, he's from, he was from New Zealand, I think. Um and then Cam's put me on the waiting list to see a, a residential therapist. And then I was on the waiting list for two years until I turned 18. And then I heard from them when I turned 18 saying, oh, yeah, now you're off our list and you have to seek your own help kind oh of thing. Gosh. And I know that so many people... The thing is, is that there's a hell of a lot of people out there that were worse than me. And, mm. I, and I hope that those people were the people that were being prioritised. Um, but yeah. I just think... Again, maybe it's different now because more awareness has been raised, but the mental health help yeah. when I was growing up teenager was, like, mm-hmm. shocking. I um, know that now... Not to talk badly, because I know the people no. there are probably doing so well for themselves. I know what you mean. But there could be just, it's, like, more organisations. Yeah. And it's almost like it's not their fault. Yeah, no, not it's... at all. Because they're probably being <clears throat> flooded by people when there should be more organisations yeah. set up. and I think I... You saying that, I think I was offered mm. to be put on the waiting list when I was in, like, the diagnosis of yeah. anxiety when actually it was Gallstone's face. I remember them mentioning it, and we said, oh, we think about it. Um, but when I actually had counselling in year 10, that was be- actually very lucky. That was free through Hospice in the Wheeled. So Hospice oh, in the Wheeled is a incredible charity that um, sort of... <laughs> I think of it as bring them into their homes where their hospitals where people are terminally ill and that's where my dad passed away and they were just like this amazing family but the thing that was incredible to me they offer free counseling for friends I don't I think it's maybe just family of people that have passed away Mm -hmm. there my dad died in 2011 like four years later I was offered free counseling yeah like that's incredible. Yeah. Um, they were still willing to give me that's help. That's really, really good. And that's why I was so lucky to be able to have that. Um, and that's why, to this day, I still raise what I can for mm-hmm. Hospice in the Wheel because 100%. they're just such an amazing char- um, charity. Yeah. That just, oh my gosh, they're just incredible. Um, shout out to Hospice in the Wheel. <laughs> um, thanks, you helped me a lot. Um, but yeah, so... Um, yeah, that's how I was lucky to get free yeah. counselling. I was just curious because you didn't mention CAMS and I was like, I didn't know, I wasn't aware of another 
yeah. unless it was privatized yeah. like I wasn't aware of other counseling you could have yeah um, so I was I was very lucky with that actually but, but obviously because yeah. of the experiences that I think if through. I went to have counseling now and I know that I've had a conversation like last week with a friend that is looking to seek counseling unfortunately it's hard to get through uni yeah um and unfortunately we'd probably have to pay yeah Oh, no, you do as soon as you hit 18. That's why when I hit 18, I got that letter saying, oh, yeah, now you've got to seek your own. And it's like, as much as we need help and a lot of people need someone to talk to, a lot of people don't have the money. Mm -hmm. And that's... Especially university students. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, massively. (laughs) And it's, it's amazing that universities really help and really... As best as they can. As best as they can and have a mental health um, area of the uni where people can go and talk to someone. But to actually have a continuous person who is employed is hard because the funding isn't there. Mm. Um, And I'm not going to go all political, but that needs to change. Because if we want people to actually speak up, like charities and the government is saying that we need better support for mental health, that's what needs to happen, is actual <laughs> better support for mental health. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But I'm not going to go political right now, because <laughs> I'll get triggered. Um, but, yeah. Any last words? I'm not going to kill you. That sounded like I was going to no, kill you. Any last words? <laughs> is there anything that you want to say to um, the listeners of Proximity? <laughs> I think... oh I don't know I think I I kind of want to oh I don't know that sounds really cringy like um so when I like I say when I was younger there was hardly any anyone speaking about anything whereas now people are a lot more open and I'm hoping that that will make a massive difference in who's like like for example if anyone ever listened to this and then wanted to talk to me about it I'd be 100% okay with that I remember seeing this girl went viral recently for her compulsions and tics for intrusive thoughts and I messaged her and she's from America and she's got like thousands of followers and I had a really nice conversation with her I never expected her to accept my DM oh that's amazing yeah it's really really good and that's what we need more more conversation I've never seen someone who so accurately described what I felt yeah yeah and that's incredible yeah um would you like to give your socials <laughs> just so people I can contact you? I them off the top of my head. <laughs> I don't use social media as much as... Um... Well, if you're looking for Emily, type in Emily Wright or Ember Wright. Yeah, I um, I have <laughs> plugged my YouTube channel. No, um, <laughs> no, I... Like, Check her out on YouTube. I She's upload... got really great self-tapes on there. <laughs> I upload self-tapes I liked your things. ones this week, by the way. Thank you. I need to do good. something different because... I've been uploading the same kind of character and typecast, but it's because I haven't. I've been so busy with uni, yeah. I haven't had enough time to practice. Like, someone no, that's not. But my check her cast. out. She's Thank great. Ember right. If Ember if you right. fancy, like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk. That's was okay. really cool. Thank you for coming on. Um, yeah, as I said earlier in the episode, if anyone listens to this and hears something that they connect with, or even start a conversation. Yeah about what we've spoken about. Is like, there any way you can link, like, my Instagram? Yeah. That'll no. work. Well, I, I'll let you know what um, it is. <laughs> I, will, I will share this podcast when yeah. it goes live cool. on all my socials, and I'll tag you in it. Thank um, you. For definite. Yeah. But, yeah. Thank you very much, Emily. Right. Thank you as well. Mm-hmm.
So that was my amazing friend, Emily Wright. It's so great to be able to have conversations about mental health and even better on an open platform like this podcast. So if anyone listening would like to speak to us about anything we've discussed today, please feel free to contact us. So I will tag Emily when I share this episode around or contact us at proximity.podcast.home at gmail.com and we'd be so happy to speak with you. So thank you so much for listening and I will see you next time.